Today is August 15th, and today we're going to talk to some guys from Phoenix, Arizona about what makes Phoenix a friendly bike city, and then we're going to go talk to Glenn Bailey, chairperson of the LA Bicycle Advisory Committee, and he says the LA DOT is fighting bike lanes and covering it up. And we'll have some call-ins about that. But first, let's hear from the two guys from Phoenix, Gene and Kerry. And we'll cue that up now. We've got Gene Homerud with the Coalition of Arizona Bicyclists, an advocacy group statewide in Arizona. And we've got Kerry Wilcoxon, traffic engineer with the City of Phoenix Street Department. How are you guys doing? Good. Hi, Nick. Good. Sorry, Kerry. <laughs> no, I'm Gene. Hi. And, hey, and um, we wanted to uh, talk about what makes Phoenix a bike-friendly city. Well, I can say uh, the city of Phoenix has, has been promoting and helping uh, the last several years. I've worked with Kerry you know, officially, and at the same time I, I uh, teach classes. I'm a league cycling instructor out of the League of American Bicyclists and um, proceed to make uh, you know, Phoenix and, and riding safer along the way. No, we're not perfect. There are other communities in the, in the Valley that do have... Uh, uh, rated as actually friendly communities by the league, but uh, we're striving for that too. How are you rated? Uh, Phoenix is not, but uh, other communities in, in the valley. I think Scottsdale and Tempe are um, listed as official bike friendly cities. I think Glendale and um, either Gilbert or Chandler. Yeah, it might be as well. So why not Phoenix? Uh, that's a great question. We've got, um, speaking from the city of Phoenix, um, We've uh, probably in the last uh, 10 years really started to uh, try and incorporate bicycling into our uh, sort of our master plan for transportation, really. Uh, we've got the roads. We've got the uh, street grid that allows us to pretty much uh, go anywhere by bike. What we've really been lacking, I think, has been the advocacy and really on the, um, on the governmental level. We... Um, have had a uh, bike coordinator for a while, uh, but that fund or that uh, position was recently cut as uh, budget cuts took hold. We've been looking at uh, getting bike friendly status. That was just one of the things that fell victim to the to the budget cuts. But uh, that being said, we still have, depending on who you ask, uh, we still have uh, certain parts of the community that are probably more uh, bike friendly or bike aware than uh, than others. And what do you mean? can vary by uh, you know, council district a little bit too. Absolutely. To, to be fair, um, citywide uh, financial crisis been going on for about a, about a year, and it really kind of hit earlier this year. And um, that hit, you know, and mm-hmm. nationwide that's been the case. So you can't you can't point a finger at Phoenix saying you know they're not still trying. Um, some of the things that uh, we have done, uh, Kerry talked about uh, the grid. We're talking about bike lanes and, and bike paths. Uh, along the canals are, are pretty good. Uh, there's one called, called the ACDC, Arizona uh, Diversion Channel. Uh, they've really got uh, about at least 20 miles long, and it has underpasses under uh, all the streets along the way. The trail goes a little bit farther than that, but... Know, some of those you do have to stop and, and wait for traffic. The Valley Metro bus system, every bus has a rack, holds two or three uh, bikes, 
averaging more than a, a million loadings per year okay. all the systems. That sounds good. Uh, our light rail that uh, started up this last uh, December, it's like 21 miles. It's a starter system of you know, great plans of 60-some-odd miles. Very bike-friendly, and uh, that's not just because they put my picture on the, on the front of the uh, safety bush here. <laughs> there's bikes. You know, half, half the time, the bikes are, racks are full, and there's still more bike, people holding bikes. In fact, we actually have uh, four racks per, um, per vehicle, which is twice the federal standard. Can I, can I ask why why is your picture on the um, the racks is is that like oh happened to be in the right place at the right time? There was a um, a conference called Friends of Transit uh, at the light rail facility, and and they promised rides in the maintenance facility. And I normally ride whenever I can anyway, and it's about eh, eight nine miles from my home. And so I, I fell in that day, and somebody had a camera when I was standing there, and light rail people themselves heard me say several times how important bicycling is to possible customers. And um, they uh, sent me an email saying, Mind would we use your picture? And I said, No, mm-hmm. no, no. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's big. At about that same time, Carrie said to me in a meeting, You're famous. I said, Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. I like to think that our advocacy and the education that I'm intensely involved in, you know, make bicycling, bicycling better in the, in the Valley, in Phoenix in particular. I think in your email you said the, there's a lot of advocates on the city council. Yeah, I'm thinking Stanton, but, but he, um, he took another position uh, recently. Carrie, yeah. are you up to date on that? Uh, so I know that Simplot has been uh, also Simplot, been a, yeah. a pretty good bike advocate. He, he's got the district that's in the, uh, Tom Simplot is the name of the uh, councilman. He's got the district in the central part of the city. Mayor Gordon himself is uh, Mayor Gordon uh, as well, yeah. Right. Fact, and sometimes. Uh, they both participated in the Bike to Work days uh, periodically. Oh, that's another thing, Bike to Work Week. Yeah, well, we uh, we do ours a little bit sooner than the rest of the country, but... Uh, Terry, you're the you're in the decision making body. You have a lot of influence, I would imagine, or some influence. Um, I think some influence is probably the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't hold you that, Gary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were the uh, the bike advocate uh, for the city or for the street department. It used to work for me, and uh, before his position was cut, and um, I do. Uh, bike to work occasionally. I, I'm one of the people who started biking once the metro opened up. I'll bike down about four miles to, from my house to the metro line and, and catch that. But um, we've been trying to look at, yeah, in our street grid, improving connectivity among the bike lanes. The goal is to be able to develop a more formal grid system for our bike paths so that, uh, you know, if I, li- if I was new to Phoenix and wanted to uh, go to someplace uptown or wherever, anywhere in Phoenix, I go to Google Maps or Yahoo Maps and uh, type in my destination, my starting point, my destination, and it would plot out a course for me, roads that I can take to get to wherever I wanted to go. Mm. But it assumes that I'm traveling by car. What I'd ultimately like to be able to do is have something similar to that, but for bike routes. Right. Or for bike trips, where you could um, go to the city grid map and say, hey, I live in this part of town, I want to go to this part of town, how do I bike there? And be reasonably certain that the map that's printed out will be able to give you a course that is a contiguous bike path, whether it uses surface streets, the trails, or the canals, that you'd be able to go from point A to point B in a convenient manner. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you need obviously Actually, two parts to that, but. The most important part, uh, as far as we're concerned, um, is uh, just having the street grid system laid out, having the bike lanes present, and having them maintained to the point where you know they're not 
it's the dumping grounds for uh, all the road debris. We're getting there, but we've got a ways to go. I believe Google Maps, they're extending it to uh, mass transit, where they uh, will work with the individual uh, operations of, of the bus systems, and they'll put those in, and there was a hint that bicycling could be included. Right. That'd be so, nice. Yeah. Do you guys have a active community in Phoenix like we do in L.A., people who are pushing for bikers' well, rights? And- part of what we do in the coalition, and there's other organizations, there's Arizona Bicycling Club, ABC, they call it. They're mostly in the, in the valley, Phoenix and, and surrounding cities. There's Phoenix Metro. They put on rides. There's one called Tempe Bicycle Action Group, T-Bag for short. Uh, they're quite active. They also have a um, bike saviors, they call it. They, uh, they recycle bike parts into... Um, Bicycle, usable bicycles for um, people that are that was economically challenged. Yeah, um, you know, I, I also uh, just want to mention too the uh, we deal with a lot of uh, neighborhood groups, a lot of advocacy groups. So there's a lot of competition there, but the bike advocacy groups have been usually pretty consistent. And for a lot of the street work that we're doing, uh, you know, Phoenix does have a great grid system, and our streets are pretty wide open. All of our new arterial streets are cross-sections are designed with room for bike lanes. A lot of our collector streets or our medium-sized streets are are also uh, that way. But the biggest problem that we have right now is trying to uh, take a street that's or a city that's grown up basically around the car, the automobile, Mm -hmm. and try and retrofit not only bicycle lanes into the street grid, but really, you know, a way of thinking uh, for most drivers of what I'm sharing the road with bikes, and you know, it's it's sometimes a daunting task. Uh, we take a look every year at our, uh, our bike crashes, and the uh, I guess the good news is that our bike crashes are actually down for the last last three calendar years. What do you attribute that to? I could say that it's it's attributed to uh, better street better awareness, design, yeah. like that, better street <laughs> system. But one of the problems in our in our analysis is we don't know what the number of bicyclists on the road at any given time are. So um, we don't know whether it's actually dropping because there are fewer bicyclists or because there are fewer bicyclists being hit. We are seeing a drop. Um, Great. Yeah, i got to take a look at that data you asked me to do some review. Yeah, we're hoping yeah. that it, it's um, it's a harbinger of good things. And we have uh, about 33,000 crashes on city streets each year uh, of all types of vehicles. But uh, for the last year that we have data for, 400 of those were, 400, 440 of those crashes were actually um, car, bike. But for obvious reasons, even though there are very few, relatively very few crashes between bicyclists and cars, the overwhelming majority of bicycle crashes end up in an injury or a death to a bicyclist. So it's not exactly equal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and of course, you know, you see the same thing with pedestrians as well. But uh, what we're trying to f- uh, figure out is uh, how to use the crash data in such a way that we educate drivers and bicycle riders, for the most part, on how to protect themselves and how to be better road users. I was wondering, because our hours of darkness and hours of daylight, you know, vary how much that affected it. It seems like uh, in most cases, in most years, the, um, you know, the high bike crash months are going to be April, March, September, October. Um, the high crash days are going to be during the middle of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, your crash times are going to be morning and afternoon commute yep. when you have, um, you know, the most number of both, bi- both bicyclists and cars on the road. But the months, what the months I, you mentioned are the, are the 
calmest in terms of, of temperature. I mean, never really gets that cold. Rarely gets that cold. Yeah. Um, in, in the winter, but still, people ah, uh, oh, spring, it's great, we're riding. Yeah. And then in the fall, ah, oh, glad the heat's over. Let me let me ride. Right. They're riding. Right. But the data I think you have is pre, you know, five dollar gasoline charges. Yeah. Yeah. It'll so, be interesting to see how that. Um, we just got the 2008 crash data, and it'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the effect is of the uh, the higher gas prices. You know, the other thing to keep in mind is whenever we get a downturn in the economy, all crashes go down. Car crashes are down as well. Although we're still getting over thirty thousand crashes, yeah. <laughs> let's try to keep them down and, and pump the economy at the same time. Well, that's right. Are there cities that you follow in terms of bike infrastructure or advocacy, like models? Is there something that, about your city that you feel that others should follow? Uh, it's a great question. I guess I would say that when we look at bike advocacy, the places I look for, I think about, are Portland and the state of Washington, and you know the areas up in the northwest uh, part of the country. I think. When you look at city planning, people tend to um, kind of look to the northeast, where you have cities that are actually set up with the density that you can you can use uh, bikes as a more viable uh, uh, daily transportation alternative. You really have a lot of things going on. It's hard to actually look at a city and say we want to be like that. But I, I would say that right now we are trying to work our um, work bikes into our um, street grid as best we can, but. We're really looking, I think, at the cities of um, of Tempe and Scottsdale, as far as um, nearby local models. Yeah, yeah. Uh, recently, did Fifteenth uh, Avenue there, and, and uh, yeah. a month or so after it was open, I uh, I pedaled literally the whole length, took the whole thing, and and it was nice. Yeah, it's good. It was, it was a half section street. You know, we talk about the, the main grid is is everything's on a mile uh, basis, and the uh, half section street called Collector Street, half mile between the main streets. Fifth Avenue is one of them. And so, although it does have a uh, you know, good amount of traffic, it's got to be thousands of cars a day, but it's it's not the four-lane boulevard that um, some of the uh, section streets are. Yeah. So it was able to uh, have a lane, a, two, a two-way left turn lane, a, a motor vehicle lane, and a, and a uh, bike lane on each side. You probably hadn't still probably collecting uh, accident or collision statistics on that app, aren't you? We are. We are. Although, you know, I, um, uh, it's kind of kind of interesting. We've probably put more bike lanes in in Phoenix. Uh, we're retrofitting them. We probably put more of them in in the last few years as a result of traffic calming than as a direct response to, hey, let's put a bike lane here. Um, uh, we, use, yeah. um, we use bike lanes quite a bit to eat up pavement. Um, where otherwise you would have a you know a 19 20 foot lane, you can put a bike lane in and it cuts it down to not only does it cut it down by five feet, you know, something like 15 feet, uh, but it also uh, forces traffic away from um, the sides of the road and it you know it really defines where cars and bikes and to some extent pedestrians need to be. So we've used that uh, technique. Uh, in a lot of places, and as a result, the bike trail or bike route grid has uh, has really expanded. You didn't do it just for us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'd like to think that, but <laughs> yeah. you touched on a question that uh, Nick asked me uh, when we talked a couple of days ago, uh, encouraging you to ride farther out into the, the street because uh, it 
people tend to change lanes farther back. Um, if you're hunched up against the curb, all you're doing is encouraging the uh, motor vehicleist to, to pass you when there is not enough lane closer to you and where there's not enough space to do it safely. Right. When you're mm-hmm. out there and, and claim you're, you know, you're the legal uh, part of the, of the road, uh, people recognize that. Claim of course, space. wearing bright clothes and being very obvious and consistent is part of the equation, too. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should have a segment where we talk about all of the stuff that you can learn in one of your courses, Gene. Oh, I'd, I'd like to do that. What, so do you guys have any um, people you want to thank? Um, well, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, the biking community in Phoenix. I think, they, um, <laughs> I think they've really uh, changed the discussion. As I indicated, uh, Phoenix has really been set up as a, um, an automobile city, and um, the biking community has uh, been shouting from the rooftops for some time that we want uh, a place. Recognition. To... You know, we're yeah. a legitimate form of transportation, and, right. and well, we're talking to the, to the choir here, but... Ten-year-old kids that have diabetes because their mothers drive them to school, and then the mothers go to gyms and ride stationary bicycles. Hmm. Yeah, let that one wash over you for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So, guys, I want to follow up, and I want to keep up with this, and I want to put any articles you have on our page at KPFK. Oh, super! And hey, well, we- I can give you our uh, our URL, the, the coalition. It's www.cazbike.org. The C courses. Answer Coalition in Yeezy's, ArizonaBike.org. I already talked about the uh, BikeLeague.org. That's the League of American Bicycles. City of Phoenix has a URL or two, doesn't it, Gary? Uh, we do. www.phoenix.gov. Well, thank you very much, both of you, Gary and well, Gene. Thank you for calling us. And so that was... Gene and Carrie from Phoenix, Arizona. And if anybody wants to call in on the subject of whether Phoenix is a bike-friendly city, the number here is 213-252-0998. And we have Jim here in the studio. Jim C. has just arrived. We got Chicken Leather. And, of course, we have our sound engineer, Eric. And we got Stephen Bowers. So who wants to go? Who wants to go? Anybody want to call in? 213-252-0998. Here's Jim. It's interesting, you know, to hear about what Phoenix is doing uh, to become a part of the bicycle community because for years they've been a part of the southern tier route across country, uh, the Adventure Cycling Association. And uh, I know that cyclists, cross-country cyclists, go through there all the time. So it, it would be it's really good to hear that they're actually trying to set this up so that uh, they have an infrastructure in place uh, through the city that creates routes not just through a large association located in Montana that is putting routes through their city without without them knowing about it, you know? Yeah, so they go right through the city of Phoenix when they when they cross through Arizona? The the Southern Tier route comes through uh goes through several of the Mesa, Tempe, some several of the small outlying areas and uh goes right through Phoenix, yeah. So, yeah, I called a couple people about Letting us know about Phoenix, like Patrick from Bike Saviors, or there's a group called Teabag, but it seems like we're not we're not set up with a call right now. So, you want to keep going about Phoenix, or do you want to go on to another subject? Did you say Teabag? No. <laughs> well, um, so let's see. Talking about what cities are doing to promote 
cycling and what people are doing to promote cycling there and even cross country routes there's been going on the 42 below uh cross country ride uh, supporting in support of the bicycle film festival and that's going to be ending here yeah. in los angeles yeah, next week. And, uh, well that, that's great nick's mom is on the phone now all the way from france i guess she was there for the tour de france how, how did she do this year in the in the tour mom are you there for the tour de france no right uh, that's right <laughs> i'm in it <laughs> just a little late well how are you doing i'm good i just wanted to give my impressions of how bike friendly the south of france is I'm not Phoenix, but uh, just anecdotally, it mm-hmm. seems incredibly uh, bike-friendly, this whole area. Hmm. Driving a car, especially a big sort of American or German car, down these tiny little winding uh, steep streets down to the sea, uh, mm-hmm. or sitting in endless, endless traffic just sitting there, you notice alongside of you lanes that are called... Um, uh, piece to sea club or you know bikeable lanes and people are biking happily along and you know sticking it to the guy and the, not really they're very pleasant but people are like, sitting in their cars are just sitting there for hours on end so it's like like here during during rush hours you can go faster than cars uh yes absolutely so are you thinking of getting on a bike out there well but that um then i also read about a poll taken that showed that the great majority of um, Parisians are afraid of biking in the city, and there's a whole campaign to make them less afraid, um, a whole, whole agencies that are designed to sort of guide them through safety laws and safety rules and things. And what makes so, them so much more... Yeah. Um, I'm a little fearful of <laughs> biking. Well, just in, because you know, other, other people are fearful? You think they must have a reason... Um, I think people in cities, yeah, who haven't done it regularly have reasons. I mean, some are valid. You know, there's, there are accidents. And there's been a great increase in accidents in Paris since there's been an increase in bike riding. Well, um, I hope that you enjoy your um, the rest of your trip. And um, Thank you. A great show. great. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Talk Mom. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Love you. Wow, it's great to hear from your mom. I know in Paris, the, uh, the city itself, they, they also have uh, uh, a lot of the bike programs there. The uh, You put a franc in and you get to ride a short distance on the bike. Uh, that's funded also by, by they've figured out a way to do that by advertisement. So uh, that's, something, that's a component that hasn't been used here a lot. People think that you have to initially make a lot of money without spending a lot of money. Uh, to, to get a program like that started, but uh, it was just the opposite there. They they built the the inroads of what kind of advertising would be most uh, applicable to bike riding and, and health and what have you, and then it, it became full circle. And I think it was uh, uh, the universal offshoot uh, here in this country, the conglomerate that, that ran it there, uh, uh, that was able to solidify in Paris this uh, this movement so there, as they can there have are that. actually two as yeah. well we, we've talked about it here there are a couple of companies in the states a couple of advertising agencies that are getting behind some of the programs Brad would be the person that knows a little bit yeah. more about that but bicycle was yes. one of the ones that was uh, actually um, putting in bids in cities across the country in order to try and get some of the um, some of the business as a 
kind of a bike loan station. And I know that Washington, D.C. right now is one of the cities that has implemented a station with series of bicycles, but I think they are on a very small scale compared to Paris, which which did it in huge numbers. Yeah, they've, they've also made the commitment to uh, alleviate some of the traffic problems, or as, as they were saying in, in uh, Phoenix, uh, traffic calming kind of situations, almost putting uh, the road on a traffic diet in some ses- sessions. Uh, th- this is similar to how uh, they're trying to get a couple of uh, test streets here in Los Angeles to do that. I know that for a long time they've been touting uh, – uh, somewhere downtown for this, but uh, it, it seems it's the same section of town they've always been doing. Speaking of that, I, I had an interesting conversation with Allison, uh, one of the girls from the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition who's been working hard on the Ciclovia project, which yes. is uh, something that they're still looking for funding for. Ciclovia, they're planning on doing this in the next year. Uh, they are currently establishing trying to establish a route in order to close the street. And for Ciclovia, for people who aren't familiar with it, uh, it's something that started in Colombia. It's uh, basically they close down a series of boulevards once a week, and they open it up to the public, and they let people ride bikes on it, walk on it, set up art on it. Uh, do they, they even have yoga classes. They have it, it becomes a public space. They turn the street into a public space. And a lot of cyclists use this these spaces in order to ride around the town and they're planning on they're working on doing the pilot program here next year and they're still looking for funding because it is going to cost a fairly decent amount of money in order to shut down absolutely yeah and then they have to hire the police that's what it comes down to a lot of uh, law enforcement It, it was funny because something similar to that happened a couple of sundays ago in pershing square and i was uh privy to it uh, where uh, the art community came out, some of the uh, L.A. Conservancy came out, uh, and law enforcement, uh, some of their um, advisory uh, agencies and what have you, to uh, reinforce the fact that uh, the streets are ours. They, they also dedicated a, a, a dog park there in Pershing Square. And what they were trying to do is just tell people that with this short little bike ride around the neighborhood that it was okay to ride on a Sunday morning as opposed to how, how you would might feel. And they got people that would I have never seen before. Safety Cycle actually sponsored it, Will, who, who comes out, and he's awesome. worked there before. And one, one of the things I really sensed was that a lot of these people use bikes more in a recreational point of view. But there were a couple people, and there was one person in particular that came from Boston. He heard this was going on, and he said, you know, I'm from Bikes Not Bombs. In fact, he had the shirt, and I talked to him about it. Bikes Not Bombs does a a great uh, deal of work uh, getting bikes to people in Africa. Um, I I know that, and this comes full circle, at the last uh, Bicycle Film Festival, they had a a short film about that, and they also had a short film about... uh, uh, AfroCycle, where yep. I was uh, actually going to bring that up, and yeah. this this year they're doing another uh, film about cycling in Africa. It's called uh, "Where Are You Go," and yeah. it's uh, a story about some guys who rode from Egypt down to uh, Cape Town. Oh, I, the, the, I love those long distance ones. They also had some Germans. Uh, they were entrepreneurs and media people that rode through the Himalayas. And it was fun to see that. And it's always like you think, oh, my God, don't you get tired after the first day? And they go, well, of course you do. You get tired after the first week, after the first month. But it's that dedication to spirit that, that, that keeps you going. 
And conversely, you don't have to go to Africa or somewhere else to experience the same kind of freedom that a bicycle gives. In in Los Angeles here, if you're interested in getting into the uh, the idea of infrastructure and a, and a bike diet, tomorrow night at the Bike Oven, we're having an impromptu uh, bike the talk, not bike talk, but it's almost like you walk the walk, you you bike the talk, and then you 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 get out there and we talk about different ways to do some. Uh, uh, own traffic calming. One of them was uh, to produce some signs for the Lincoln Heights area where the, the traffic around the uh, DMV tends to be uh, people that are either mad about play- paying the higher rate to register their car or, or something with their, their vehicle, and so they're always speeding out of there. And, and, and children are at risk. I don't think anybody has really been hit, but there's been a lot of near misses. And so yep. uh, we've taken it upon ourselves uh, because, uh, as, as you know, um, Highland Park is just a hop, skip, and a bike ride across from Lincoln Heights. Right, right. And a lot of our members live there. So we're going to be doing that tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Uh, we also have an informal kind of uh, meal and, and, a, and a few drinks. And there's a telephone to stop me from talking on. Anyway, I, um, I digress. And um, the, these are just some of the things that uh, we've, we've adapted from a lot of people. I, I know when uh, the Bike Summit was here in town earlier in the year, uh, there were some uh, people from Portland that had some suggestions about how the Cyclovia and uh, soccer and other programs were able to uh, uh, give their city a feel that the it wasn't just about car transportation, but there was also a component that could be uh, public transportation, uh, what we would consider rail, bus, the traditional ones, and, of course, the bicycle. Which, which we were talking about because it is bike talk. Here you go. On the phone right now, we have Glenn Bailey, and we've been, we've been talking over the course of the day about different things that, that Phoenix is doing, that LA is doing, uh, in order to improve our cycling situation. And I know Glenn Bailey has been very involved in the Reseda bicycle, uh, bike lane conundrum, the, that we've found ourselves in. So, uh, hopefully I'm gonna let him explain himself and what's going on there, and also tell us a little bit about what he does for Los Angeles. So here we go. Um, he, he had an open letter earlier yep. that he sent out. Sure did. So if you're, if you're a member of our, of our email, livebiketalk at gmail.com, uh, we generally try and keep you updated as to what's going on and what's going to be on the show. So uh, let's, let's have a listen with Glenn Bailey. Glenn, this is Jim. How are you doing today? Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. Um, Glenn, first of all, can I get you to explain who you are and what you do for cycling in Los Angeles? Well, I am uh, on the city's bicycle advisory committee. Um, that's my connection to, to bicycling in L.A., besides a longtime cyclist. Um, and then earlier this year, I was elected to be the chair of that committee, uh, it is advisory to the city, all of the city of Los Angeles, dealing with bicycle matters, uh, and that includes the various departments as well as the city council and the mayor. And there's 19 members, um, mm-hmm. one from each council member appointee plus four from the mayor's office, total of 19 members, and we meet every two months, um, first Tuesday of every even-numbered month. Well, really quick here before we get too serious, I want to ask you, uh, about what kind of riding you do. You said you're a long-time rider in Los Angeles. What kind of bike do you have? Well, actually, right now I ride only mountain bikes on city streets because I've just found it to be um, 
safer and uh, um, not having to worry as much uh, about my personal safety with regards to the various potholes and street disrepair, etc. So um, I, you know, for many years rode a road bike, but... 1990, I think, is when I transitioned to the mountain bikes. And it, yeah, it's more work, more exercise, but it also, you know, it's, I've had a lot less flat tires, a lot less uh, problems with that. So in the means, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm advocating that for everyone, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not dedicated to improving the condition of city streets. That's just my personal choice. So do you, do you have a name for your bike? I don't. <laughs> okay. it's, just, it's just my bike. And uh, And what kind of bike is it? Uh, well, the one I use most frequently is uh, Gary Fisher. Okay, all right. Um, well, okay, Glenn, so I know that there's been some controversy uh, lately, and you, from the emails that I've gotten or that I've read, it sounds like you've been on top of what's happening. Uh, I was hoping that maybe you could give us a little bit of a, of a breakdown of what's going on in Reseda. Sure. Actually, it's... Reseda Northridge, actually it started in Northridge. Um, the city, um, bicycle advisory committee meeting at its June 2nd meeting, um, received a report of various bicycle projects. Right. And, uh, there were 10, the status of 10 different bicycle projects. And it was part of, you know, a lot of other communications that, that we get associated with a, a rather long agenda. Um, which is uh, my doing, you know, as chair, I've tried to be all inclusive of the different issues. Mm-hmm. But in any case, on 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 that particular list of um, the bike lane projects uh, status report, one of those projects was listed a Reseda Boulevard project in Northridge um, from Nordoff Street to Rinaldi Street. Um, that's a three mile segment, and. Um, and on that report, it uh, indicated, uh, and first of all, let me just indicate that all of Reseda Boulevard is indicated on the 1996 city-approved bicycle master plan as having bike lanes for the entire length of Reseda Boulevard. That's 10.8 miles. Now, really quickly here, I'm, I'm not trying to pull us away from the subject, but on, on the 96 master plan, how many of the bike lanes, what percentage of those bike lanes that it shows should be there are actually there in place? Well, I don't have that percentage, but unfortunately it's not high enough. I know that for a fact. But as far as Reseda Boulevard, there are some segments that have been installed five miles to the south uh, from Van Owen south into the Santa Monica Mountains to to basically the terminus of Reseda Boulevard. And then to the north, north of Rinaldi to Cessnon, there's about uh, maybe a mile, mile plus segment. So of the 10.8 miles, approximately half have been... um, uh, actually put in, right. um, and that's actually a pretty good percentage, I think, compared, compared to other to streets. the rest of the city? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because a lot of the streets that are shown on the plan uh, have had zero uh, right. lanes installed. Right. Um, so um, anyway, that's that's just the situation for Rosita. So it was exciting to see that, that uh, you know, at least it was in the on the radar screen for this portion of Rosita Boulevard, particularly because Cal State University Northridge which is the largest university in the valley and one of the largest in the state, is right um, adjacent to the east of this segment. Yeah. And so it would serve, could potentially serve a student body population of up to 40,000 students, um, and plus faculty and staff. Um, so, you know, that, that uh, seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. 
In any case, in the status comment, the uh, notation that was made uh, for the status of this particular project was uh, uh, West, and I'm quoting now, West Valley District does not concur with the project, cites peak hour lane usage in near future. That's a direct quote. So just uh, for the record here, peak hour lane usage would preclude any kind of bicycle lane because in an area where you have parking and peak hour lanes, they remove the parking during the peak hours, and the bicycle lane is usually sandwiched between the parking lane and the, the regular flow of traffic. Yeah, I, I just can't think of any exception that I've seen right. um, where, where it's not the parking lane, then the bicycle lane. Um, and if you do allow parking, obviously the parking is next to the curb lane, you wouldn't have the bicycle lane except, uh, uh, you know, way on the other side of the, of the park vehicles. Well, so, um, so it just, you know, that's just the way it would work to, you know, to allow parking for some of the time. Um, and, and then the other issue is just, you know, there physically has to be the road space for a bike lane too. So, yeah, so you wouldn't want to have peak hour travel on the lane next to the curb, then a bike lane now past that. I mean, that's obviously not not the way any of us would want to. So at at this point, you kind of you kind of went to bat for for cyclists, and uh, you went to find out why uh, why this peak hour lane was planning on being installed. Uh, what did you find out? Well, I have to admit that I wasn't as 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 quickly on the Johnny on the spot on this is per, perhaps in retrospect I should have been um, but I did make some inquiries uh, over the next few weeks you know because you know I I don't live in Northridge but I've uh, had I've worked in Northridge for many years in the past and I've had a great deal of familiarity over the years with this area and never heard of the of, of putting in peak hour lanes and I couldn't actually visualize it how it could be successful given the the land uses that are there in terms of businesses and residential, et cetera. So I made some casual inquiries over the next few weeks um, and turned up no information uh, whatsoever. And, and I also checked the uh, city clerk's uh, city council file index online and found no reference to Reseda Boulevard, Peak Hour Lanes, or anything similar. So I did who, who was going to planning on putting in these lanes? Was somebody uh, planning on going and putting up signs and doing it by themselves? No, no, it, it was a section of DOT. So, so what I did before actually contacting another, I mean, this memo that, that, that we got as bicycle committee members was from, um, DOT that was, uh, you know, in the bikeway section assigned to, assigned to, uh, staff the, the, these projects and working with the bicycle advisory committee. And while I'm mentioning that, I, I may say that the, staff person, uh, involved with that, Paul Meshkin, is, is really should be considered you know, an exemplary DOT employee because he basically did his job reporting the status of these projects unfiltered and giving the correct information um, based on everything we know at this point in time. And, you know, that's really what I expect, uh, the public should expect from their public employees, to, to be honest, to, to tell the truth, and and, uh, and that's exactly what Paul Meshkin did. So I consider him uh, a hero of all this, Um from from Department of Transportation. So, um, having said that, um, I, my next step was that I made contact with all of the board members of well, the Northridge. Really, really quick here, I just want to point out the fact that you think that somebody who did their job at the DOT is a hero. So, uh, like, I, I just want to point that out to anybody who's listening. Uh, okay, 
Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think commendations should be given where where it's due because <clears throat> there's certainly been a lot of criticism for other folks. Yeah. Um, DOT. So, um, and uh, although I think he deserves a promotion, I'm afraid if he got a promotion, then he would leave leave the bikeways unit. And you know, I think we need people of, of his caliber to, to to you know to help us get more bike bike lanes and bikeways in the city. But anyway. Um, my next step then, after not finding any information through my normal sources, was to contact the um, the two neighborhood councils in Northridge, the Northridge West and the Northridge East Neighborhood Councils, and I also contacted the Chamber of Commerce. I did this later in June, and all of the none of them uh, had any information regarding Peak Hour Lane, uh, you know, proposal mentioned anything it wasn't on the radar screen. So. Um, once I got back those replies a few days later, I did contact the West Valley District of Department of Transportation. Um, and the first staff person I spoke with didn't have any information, but said he called me back uh, right away that day and didn't that day, didn't the next day. So um, in the meantime, I had prepared an email to the uh, district engineer regarding the subject with some questions, and I sent it that initial day of my inquiry. Uh, when I didn't get a reply by... Um, the third day, I uh, put a put a, another phone call in and um, actually spoke with that uh, district engineer. Uh, his name is Ken Feruzman, and um, his name has been mentioned in a lot of the uh, news reports. Um, so, uh, and the telephone conversation that I had with him um, basically uh, confirmed, in essence. The notation that I, the status report that I read to you a little earlier, um, and um, and so I wrote up his, basically wrote up the the outcome of that phone conversation, sent it out to the um, to those two neighborhood councils just so that they had that information. But basically, what Mr. Bruzman said was that. Um, it was DOT's goal to install the peak hour lanes um, on Reseda Boulevard. Um, that Northridge would likely be the initial phase because of the traffic presumably associated with uh, generated by the university. Yeah, but eventually they'd be installed the entire length of Reseda Boulevard um, from the Ventura Freeway or and the 101 Ventura Boulevard 101 Freeway north to the 118 Freeway in Naldi Street. Um, he said that the time frame was at least a year from then um, and that they would notify the city council offices and the neighborhood councils and the actual timing depending on the amount of staffing and the workload that they what? had. Um, and so I want to make it real clear that never did they say that there would be something happening imminently, like in the next week or the next month. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very clear, you know, at least a year from now. My, my concern and, and desire in following up on this is that while they had this intention and plans for the future, undefined exactly how long and far it would be the way it would be, was in the meantime that we were not having any, you know, there was no bike lanes being installed, um, and yeah. they could have been. So when I raised that issue of the bike lane project, um, uh, Specifically, this Nordoff to Rinaldi section on Reseda, the three miles, um, he confirmed his opposition to to that particular project, and specifically said because it would preclude the peak hour lane 
from being installed there. Okay, I, I want to try and summarize a little bit of what happened after this because this is this is a, a really long, really involved process. But uh, I mean, what happened? They somebody got this motion onto a board meeting in right. in uh, Northridge, right? Right. I mean, basically, uh, because of my earlier inquiry, plus I sent out the the um, outcome of this conversation, this Fruzman to the to those neighborhood councils. Um, one of them put it on the agenda on July, and I did speak before that council. No, it was just the topic was on. There was no proposed action. I did speak on what I knew at that time in mid-July to Northridge East Neighbor Council. Um, for the August 11th meeting, uh, oh, and before that, let me just say, I also visited the Reseda Neighborhood Council um, and uh, just made an introduction of the subject. None of them knew about this either. So the August 11th Neighborhood Council, Northridge West Neighborhood Council that you're inquiring about, did have it on their agenda um, with a specific motion uh, made to support the installation of the peak hour lane. Okay, now here's where um, I really start to get interested in this because you, at, at this point now, it's been, this whole thing has been like pretty much a labor of love of yours and uh, the fellow from DOT whose name I can't remember, Ken. And, uh, and it's, it seems to be kind of a battle between the two of you guys. And I know that there were some email alerts that went out, some action alerts from the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition. And uh, you ended up getting some support, I understand. Is that right? Uh, for that particular meeting. But I just need to back up one minute uh, and give uh, acknowledgement to uh, the Biking in L.A. blog yeah. because they actually basically broke the story first publicly as a result of comments that I made at the Bicycle Advisory Committee meeting at the end of the meeting of the night uh, that the week before and said, hey, that sounds like an interesting story. Can I talk to you and could we do up a story on that? And they did. And I think they did a great a great job on it, um, um, especially um, because of the timeliness of this, of this particular meeting with that particular item on the agenda, the way it was phrased. And yes, I did get alarmed about that, and I think that was reflected in the blog article. And, and certainly, once that came out, others like the county coalition uh, you know, rally uh, sent out the alerts. Um, Is there anyone the, you'd like to thank there at Biking in LA? I, Ted Rogers, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he was at the meeting at, uh, at the Bicycle Advisory Committee and stuck it out to the end. And <laughs> that, in and of itself, is is good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that, that, that kind of got things moving. Now, again, it, it is accurate, and I, I hope people don't think that we were crying, you know, crying wolf or something, um, unnecessarily, because it's accurate that if that motion had been passed to implement, because the motion was, was not just for Northridge, the motion was for the entire length of Reseda Boulevard, um, and if that had passed and gotten implemented, it not only would preclude this future bike lane in Northridge, the three miles that, that triggered this thing to begin with, but it also would have uh, resulted ultimately in the removal of the bike lane that already exists south of Van Owen down to Ventura Boulevard. Right. Not that anyone ever said that was going to happen immediately, but it certainly would be concern, of concern that if anyone right. paid attention to what the neighborhood council said and took a position supporting this, um, you know that that could be the eventual outcome. And, and so 15 cyclists uh, made their way to Northridge, and some of them uh, 
didn't have to go that far, but others did, and I appreciate their personal sacrifice and effort in doing so on very short notice. Um, there were also 45 residents of, of people from the community who showed up who were adamantly opposed to uh, putting in the peak hour lanes because of the impact it would have on their on their property and their ability to actually just park in front of their homes. But um, the good thing of all this was is that the, the, the homeowners on Reseda Boulevard got to see the advantages of having a bike lane in front of their homes. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to many of them who, who really said, you know, that would be a good thing. One, one gentleman said his son rides his bicycle to the university. Yep. Um, and, you know, having the bike lanes on, on, the, on Reseda would, would make that commute a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, others have reported their vehicles being hit by other cars on Reseda Boulevard. And even though a bike lane is just two, two, two stripes of paint on the, on the asphalt, some drivers need, need to have those lines to keep them, keep, you know, stay between the two lines. So I think that five-foot bus buffer would, would be great for cyclists, and it would be great for the residents of, of Reseda Boulevard. So I think we we um, made some friends there, the bicycling community, um, and some of the homeowners did speak out in favor of the bike lanes. They, of course, realized that having the bike lanes installed would preclude, hopefully forever, the installation of peak hour lanes. And that's really what this battle is all about, bike lanes versus peak hour lanes. So I'm... I think this is a this is a, a great victory, albeit in the grand scheme of things. How is this something that is a vision of what we're going to have to deal with in the future? Are we going to have more of these uh, little three mile battles? Yeah, I hope cities? not. I hope not, because you know a lot of us have a lot of other things to do in our lives, or a lot of other things we'd like to work on. Um, you know, promoting bicycling. Um, but if it, hey, if it has to be uh, three mile segments by three mile segments, and, and and get that fight, then you know, then we'll do that. Because frankly, we haven't seen a lot of uh, you know a lot of activity over the recent years, and part of the reason is at least, and I can't speak for the whole city, and but I hope to shortly because I'm putting the word out to everyone, whether they're on the bicycle advisory committee or not. That if they're aware of, of streets that have been planned in the existing uh, 1996 bicycle plan, that shows bicycle lanes that are now been convert have now been de- uh, in, have peak hour lanes installed, I'd like to know about that because I'd like to see if this is a pattern throughout the city, or if this is just something that is uh, happening in the West Valley because of uh, the particular preferences of, of the particular district engineer. Right. Um, you know, we'll be looking into that. You'll hear more about that later, I'm sure. Is, but in is the there mean... some place where, where people can get a copy of the uh, 1996 Bicycle Master Plan and can check out their, their own neighborhood? Yes, um, it is actually online. Um, and uh, But I don't have that email address. Okay. I mean, the, the website right handy here. It's through the planning department. So LA City Planning Department website, if they go there, they can find it. Um, so if you, if maybe if they Google 1996 Bicycle Master Plan, LA City Planning Department. I, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and if, if not, they'd be ha- I'd be happy to uh, respond to any emails. Uh, you know, where where can we email, email you at? Uh, it's Glenn Bailey, G-L-E-N-N Bailey, B as in boy, A-I-L-E-Y, SFV for San Fernando Valley. Yep. At yahoo.com. Okay. Um, and, Glenn, I'd like to 
I'd like to thank you for your work on this and uh, for your work supporting cyclists and uh, and cyclist rights on the streets. I I'm definitely very interested to like one of the things that I'm interested in pointing out is that we had 45 residents backing up 15 cyclists. Uh, so that's a that's a really strong image there. Um, three times as many people were there that were not in the cycling as as were represented by the cycling community. So it it's a good reason to to ride respectfully. <laughs> so you don't want to piss off somebody some resident in their area, and uh, and then have them have them not back you up on on your uh, your motion to put a bike lane through it. Well, obviously, uh, cyclists are, you know, a minority constituency. We need to get, we need to work together with other other folks, and um, and I think building a coalition of, of the homeowners plus other residents, apartment building managers, uh, who also oppose peak hour uh, lane uh, being installed, um, as well as the business community, the small businesses on Reseda Boulevard. If we build that coalition successfully, I think, you know, not only will we get these three miles in Northridge installed, maybe we can get all the rest of Reseda Boulevard put in, uh, you know, uh, sooner rather than later. So I do think that that, for this, for this particular effort, um, that coalition, I think, uh, will be, uh, help us be successful and, and help us get, get the lanes in. Um, Yes. Is there anything coming up here that you can think of that more people that you need more people for that you need more cyclists for? Any call to arms that you'd like to make, or is, are there <laughs> is there anything coming up that you would like people to get involved in as a for fun? Well, unfortunately, I probably don't have as much fun as I should have <laughs> um, because I'm dealing with these sorts of things. If everyone did their job the way they were supposed to be doing, then I and other cyclists would have some more fun, but. Uh, having said that, um, the most single most important thing um, that that will affect the entire city of Los Angeles is the new uh, bicycle plan yeah. that is expected to come out um, maybe in a day or a week or two weeks. Of course, we've been hearing that for a few months now, but it's imminent. It will be coming out uh, possibly later this month, and. Um, since the last plan that this is fundamentally replacing uh, was 13 years ago, even though there was uh, a couple of uh, revisions and, and reinstatements over those years, uh, but it's fundamentally reshaping the way the city would would deal with uh, bicycle policy and bicycle facilities. At least 30% of it, right? <laughs> because if this bicycle master plan gets treated with the same kind of deference that the last one did, then we, we're going to see maybe 25, 30, 40%, 60% if we're lucky of these bicycle lanes implemented. Well, or this infrastructure I, actually, implemented. I, I think, unfortunately, it's even uh, scarier than that. Um, and I haven't, even though I'm chair of the city's bicycle advisory committee, I have not, um, I am not in the uh, the inner loop to, to get the document, I have to wait till it's released to the whole public, right. uh, general public. But from what I do understand from people who are serving on the uh, technical advisory committees and that sort of thing, and we've been briefed, and that's proper, and that's part of the role, um, is that there's a fundamental shift in in looking at how 
uh, designations are being made for uh, for the city in terms of where they're putting bicycle facilities, and they're and it appears that they're moving more to the collector streets, right? Uh, which are typically more residential uh, in large parts of the city and away from the major and secondary highways. What's Reseda Boulevard is is a primary highway, um, and um, I think that's a fundamental shift that I think the cyclists need to be very much aware of and be very engaged in when this plan comes out. Um, and, you know, that, that may, you know, that may be partially a good thing, um, but on the other hand, it also, because some folks just don't want to ride on, on busy streets, whether there's a bike lane on them or not. Right. Um, but other, others, uh, you know, do want to have the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to uh, be able to get where they're going because it is on the major street. And when you're on the major street, then you want to be able to have that have that ability. Not it, even though it's a it's a line, it's also awareness. So it it just helps the cars be aware that there's you know there are or will be or could be bicyclists there. And like I said, my my observation over the years is that many motorists need those white lines to stay in between. If we didn't have lanes striped on our streets, it would you know, we'd be a lot worse off. So, um, so my point is, is that the, the, my main message for probably the rec- next several months, as this plan is released, and there will be public workshops, and I'm sure that you know that'll get announced on your show uh, once those become knowledge. We're going to do our best to get the word out there. Yeah. Okay, and then it'll go through the city process. It'll go through um, the city planning commission. It'll go to the city council for approval and this is going to be a major effort um, I believe because um, there may be things in this plan that we like and we need to support to make sure they get kept in the plan but there may also be some elements where we don't think it's gone far enough or, or elements that we just don't like well, at all. What kind of time frame are we going to have in order to have in order to discuss and to change any of the proposed changes on the bicycle master plan once we get a chance to review it. You know, that's a kind of a moving target. I'd say we would have at least a month, uh, which probably is not long enough. But you know, um, you know, it, it would be at least a month. They will, um, you know, release the plan. They will announce the four public workshops in the various parts of the city, um, and then they will um, take that input, presumably. And I don't know if they'll make any changes at that point or just go directly to the city planning commission. Um, from the city planning commission, then it would be, you know, probably a few weeks, if not a few months, uh, um, going to the city council committee. Um, keep in mind, the original timetable was that this was going to be two city council for adoption this past June. Yeah. So, so things um, haven't gone exactly to schedule, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing in terms of, you know, uh, if we're considering, you know, fully considering the input of uh, that everyone has provided. And there, you know, there has been a lot of input provided. There have been um, 300 people that attended the workshops last year when the initial go-around. Uh, there have been, I understand, um, over a 1,000 um, website comments that have been yeah. submitted. Um, so um, that's, um, you know, that, that's good if it's being listened to, but... Um, what can we do? Is is there something that we should do to kind of kickstart the implementation of some of the programs that are, or some of the changes that are are 
being suggested? Would there be something like a bicycle master plan release party or something to kind of get people involved, to get people uh, to show city council that we want these changes to, to come? Do you, do you understand what I mean? Something something that we could do as a gathering to as cyclists with the release of the bicycle master plan to show that we're st- we stand behind any any development changes that that would be positive for us. Well, you know, I think the nature and tone of, <laughs> the nature and tone of that particular public um, event would kind of depend on the content of the plan. You know, it yeah. could be a very celebratory type of event or not, depending on what's actually in this plan. In other words, some people have said that it's actually taking some steps backwards, and that clearly is not uh, uh, anything that any of us want to do. Um, but until it actually comes out, you know, I don't want to speculate on that. In the meantime, what I will say in the meantime is give, you know, let people know this is coming, and 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 that to make it a priority to, to you know, if they could just squeeze in the extra time and just make an effort to participate, because once this gets in adopted, you know, it'll be the plan we'll have to live with. Uh, in the in the case of the last one, it was 13 years before any meaningful changes were done. Te- technically, it's supposed to be readopted every five years, but sometimes they just uh, say, "Okay, this is our past plan. Let's just uh, let's readopt it as is," and that's yeah, what yeah. Ha- that's what happened last time. So I, you know, that's um, you know, I can't comment any of this until we actually see what the content is. Uh, we'll do our best to get the word out, and, and certainly the advocacy groups, such as the uh, L.A. County uh, Bicycle Coalition, I'm sure will absolutely be doing their best to do that as well. I'm sure a lot of the blogs uh, will blogs will also, you know, contain information, articles, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, there'll be opportunity for people to participate by the via the workshops and also in terms of online and, and being able to make comments, that sort of thing. Um, but ultimately, this is a political process. It'll be a political decision, and it goes through the, you know, the various uh, levels in the city. Well, one um, of the, I mean, one of the things I'd like to put out there. I, I know that uh, Los Angeles is a very politically involved city, and I know that there are a lot of people who are living here who are not as politically involved as they should be, and not as politically active as they should be. And I, I think that if, if we were to create some sort of rally, some sort of, like like we said, some bike stock, something that that gave people a reason to come out other than to sit at a meeting, uh, then we could possibly get a better count, a better idea of how many cyclists are in support of having some radical action done. Uh, and, I, and by that I mean at least bike lanes i'm i'm calling bike lanes radical action you know just something to to make people feel a little bit safer in this town and i think that's a point that we heard earlier from uh nick's mom who's in in paris right now and is is not going to ride around because she doesn't feel safe well los angeles is not paris and uh it we don't we don't have a bike rental system we've got people coming in from out of town we've got a lot of transient people who live here you know and what what would be awesome is to get some have some way of collecting some information about how many people are doing this. And from what I understand, so far the city doesn't have an accurate count of how many cyclists there are uh, daily. And they 
I, I'm not saying that they have an accurate count of how many car drivers there are daily, but they have a rough estimation. And I, I don't think that that's, that even exists in, with this, for the cycling community. And I understand that we're a minority, and I understand that that's going to be a fairly difficult thing to do, but it would be good to have a large turnout of people come and say, listen, something needs to happen, somebody needs to stand up, we are here, we want to be counted. And, uh, and I think one of the easiest ways to do that is not by getting people around to, to gather, to rally, to listen to a bunch of city councilmen talk about programs that exist but haven't been implemented. It's a, it's a whole lot easier to do that if the city was to, was to put together a bike stock, was to put together a, uh, a welcoming party for this master plan or even a, a party to acknowledge its existence or its whatever's happening with it right now you know what i mean well you know let me let me reflect back on my earliest days of involvement I was still in high school um and there was a um you know the, the beginning of the environmental movement modern day environmental movement um, there was uh, mass bike rides. Uh, I remember one organized by Nancy Perlman, who's now on the uh, community college board, uh, through her um, concerned bicyclists for the environment. And we had right. three to four thousand cyclists uh, converge at various locations, um, meeting locations, and then met at one central location where where all the smaller groups of hundreds of cyclists came together, and three to four thousand cyclists in, in one particular park. Um, and that was good, and I think that's even good, you know, in this day and age too, uh, um, for just you know for the awareness of the cyclists and the media coverage. You know, I, I, I don't discount that. But my what what I think would also be great is if we could coordinate such such rides, such events such as that, to for those cyclists then to show up at each of these four workshops, say on the bicycle plan. Um, what if a thousand cyclists showed up for for one of these workshops? Of course, there wouldn't be enough seats. Right. Um, but um, but more importantly, I think we need to do that um, at to the decision makers because, frankly, the reason that we I don't think cyclists are getting the respect that we do, and the reason that DOT can get a get away with you know spinning something that's not going their way by calling oh it was just a rumor um, is because we don't. You know, they're not being held accountable by their bosses, by the mayor and the city council. So what we really need to do is have hundreds and thousands of cyclists show up at the city council, show up at something perhaps where the mayor is at, and, and they will say, wow, we never have this many people show up of any particular groups, and look at all these cyclists. And maybe then, maybe then, the, the mentality of, of not just uh, you know, DOT, but the other city departments that that have a, have their hands dealing with bicycle matters might change, and, and we might be able to move uh, move up the radar screen, move up on the priority list, et cetera. So I think I think having some coordinating some event um, that you know would give the cyclists an opportunity to to do something of a mass nature is good. The the, the challenge is going to be. That the workshops will likely be on a Saturday out in the communities. Right. The decisions being made that will affect our streets and our lives for the next decade or so are going to be made weekdays down at City Hall, and that's always been the challenge. 
uh, in terms of being able to get people out in mass to, to those particular events. And, well, what kind of we, what kind of a um, what kind of a heads up? How much time are we going to have in order by the before the city council meetings that are going to approve the master plan? Are announced. Do you you know what I mean? Are we going to have a month to prepare in order to get to rally cyclists for this master plan meeting? Well, first of all, city council agendas are set, but seventy-two hours in advance, three days. Um, you know, there may be you know more notice than that to say, well, it'll be on the council agenda a week or two weeks. But ultimately, this process will unfold with the workshops and with the city commission planning commission. Then it'll go to the city council committee. Ultimately, we have to make our influence before it gets the full city council, in my opinion, um, because then you're starting to count 15 council members and you've got to get a majority, eight of them, you know, on your side. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's better, it's better to have a good plan that they could vote on than a bad plan that we have to change at right. city council. That's my personal feeling. Um, but, you know, time frame, it probably is a few more months. Uh, you know, and it could be three months, it could be four months. Um, just depends on when this thing is released and, and how, how, how it's received, how the workshops go, and they may say, oh, well, we really, we really made some mistakes here, we need to go and do some revisions before we take it to planning commission. Well, let's get a heads up to when those workshops are. Uh, right. so if you can, if you could help keep us informed, and we'll do our best to try and keep our listeners informed. And right. Let me let me give you the website or give the listeners the website okay. that is set up for the bicycle master plan. Um, you know, there are currently the the maps, the draft maps for the city on there, and so that's something people could do right now is to go to www.labikeplan.org. And I'll let me repeat that, www.labikeplan.org. Right. And, um, you know, they could at, at least right now view the bike maps in their particular um, area that they're concerned with or familiar with. And there is a contact form up there as well that people can um, submit their comments right now just based on the maps or even if they just want to make general comments. Um, and hopefully they will get on a list, a notification list as well, to be notified directly. Can't promise that, but that that would be my hope that if they took the time to make comments and suggestions from the website, uh, that they, you know, that then their email that they'd be notified address. when the workshops right. were set up. Right. So it'd be good to just test the system, and so people, you know, go to the website. Look at the maps. Look at the area around your where you live and work and where you travel on bicycle, and see how they've designated um, just on the maps without knowing the plan, without knowing the text, but just do the best they can. And maybe they missed a street that you know is wide enough and be good enough for bike lanes or, or some other accommodation. Is is and, there a blog where we could probably find this information? Is the LA Bike Blog the place to go for the average Joe? Um, you know, as as news comes up, the blogs do cover it. When there's a, a meeting coming up or something that happened, you know, they do a good job of, of reporting that. But, you know, I think right now on this plan, you know, as soon as the plan's released, it's going to be posted on this website. Um, 
So, uh, but yes, as, as people get a chance to see it, view it, comment on, obviously those comments will be will be done on the various bicycle blogs. So folks should tune into their to their favorite blogs. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention about what's happening locally or even nationally as far as uh, cycling advocacy goes? Um, well, I, I would encourage folks if they hear of something to get in touch with either myself or any members of the Bicycle Advisory Committee or a bicycle advocacy group such as the Bicycle Coalition because we don't necessarily know everything. We're not necessarily informed of everything. And sometimes um, it just takes one person finding out something to share that. Don't assume. Bicyclists should not assume that other bicyclist activists or representatives, like we are in the City Bicycle Advisory Committee, that we know everything. Um, it's a big city. And there's uh, there's lots of uh, you know niches and corners where things can can be hidden or just not not be known. And so I encourage the listeners to uh, you know just just keep that com- communication be a two way two way um, method of communication so that we we can all work together and help each other when we find out about such things. So um, that's what I tried to do on this Reseda Boulevard issue. For better, for worse, um, I, I, I'm optimistic that as a result of you know one person, you know, taking one line on on a one-page report and getting that out to the community, that ultimately it's not pretty, it's not you know, but and it wasn't fun, but I think ultimately, I think hopefully we'll end up with the desired result, which is you know, a bike lane where otherwise the city bureaucracy would have buried it. And I think we can replicate that throughout the city if if people step up to the plate. So I encourage them to do that. Okay. Even if it's three miles at a time, Glenn Bailey, I appreciate everything that you've done. And those were some three important miles, and I hope that they're a milestone for the cycling community in Los Angeles. Uh, once again, I'd like to reiterate that you – one of the places you said to stop by was labikeplan.org. So if you're still listening, you're still holding on with us here, labikeplan.org. Stop by, drop them a line, let them know that you're interested in being contacted with the dates for the workshops and for the approval council meetings for the uh, Master Bike Plan. Glenn Bailey, once again, thank you very much for your work with the LA, uh, C- LA Bike Advisory Committee and... Uh, We hope to talk to you again in the future. Great. Looking forward to it. Okay. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. See ya. Well, there was a lot of information there. Wow. (laughs) It sounds great. The Valley usually always is like the the evil stepsister that always never gets any attention, right? Yeah. Or is it the pretty stepsister? I can never keep that... that, Grim fairy tale straight, but but it's it's good to see that because the valley has been shunned before. I know that uh, just recently there, and I wrote you a note about it that uh, Paul Krikorian was trying to get. Uh, uh, apparently, there was some mess with uh, the speed law there, and he tried to get uh, just a bill passed in the state so they could uh, not have to rescind to increase the speed law in order to reduce uh, the traffic flow, which seemed ridiculous because people were already speeding. It was this big conundrum, and finally, what it came down to is the city council said, or the the state said, "No, you city councils, you have no authority over the state." So, in in the end, that f- bill f- failed, but a tremendous amount of bike support was rounded up for that. 
And as I say that, someone else is on the phone right now. Who who do we have on the phone? This, on the phone, we have Orisha Smolarski, and Orisha is with the uh, Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition. Which and, and Telematique. You always forget that. Yes, I, I, I do. I love the music. <laughs> I do always seem yeah. to forget Telematique. Her and Summer sure. do, do a great job of, of – we see them at all the bike events, and we begin kind of jaded because the music is really good, and people yeah. are going, whoa, where did yeah. that come from? And, and it's like I, I always have to say you should mention that when you mention them. But anyway – Let's let's get her on the line. So Arisha has some pretty good points, kind of from the from the private sector and not from the public sector. So let's hear what what she's got here. Arisha, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, we've been talking a little bit today with Glenn Bailey, and mm-hmm. we've been talking about uh, what's going on with Reseda Boulevard and with the bicycle master plan. And I'd like to find out what the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition take it on that is. Uh, well, in regards to the Reseda bike lane, um, we have been, you know, we responded pretty quickly by putting out um, an action item and was able to actually gather a lot of support and um, uh, presence at the the um, the um, North Ridge West Neighborhood Council meeting on Tuesday. Right. And I'm sure, as Glenn told you, which was, you know, the 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 vote was turned down, which is really good. Um, so. And also in response to that, the mayor, some representatives at the mayor's office actually contacted me and requested a meeting in, re- in regards to the receipt of bike lane issue, which is really, um, which is a step forward. That's awesome. That somebody office. actually from the mayor's office is even interested. Exactly. Yeah. And they were sort of surprised to see what was going on. And um, so pretty much the outcome of that meeting is also encouraging. Um, some of the mayoral staff actually request, um, suggested that if there is community consensus, a bike lane could be completed this year. The potential for that could happen. And so um, LACBC, in, in conjunction with other um, advocacy uh, advocates, has put together a Reseda bike lane campaign um, to install the already approved um, bike lane on Reseda Boulevard by the end of 2009. And um, so one of the the things that we have decided to do is to get in touch with the council member Dennis Zein, right. as well as um, Craig Smith, who actually are in you know Reseda Boulevard goes through their districts. And so, what people can do is to write a letter to these council members and let them know that they that they would like to see this already approved extension of the bike lane on Reseda Boulevard, because um, we need to get also so council member support. We also need to get um, community support because this is definitely good for pedestrians it's good for businesses it's really good for the neighborhood and that is what people that that is what the what makes a difference um, because it keeps neighborhoods safe and so i think that's what um the politicians in that area want to hear so we um issued actually just yesterday um and another action item asking people to send in letters we sent out um, a sample letter so if people want to get involved, they can contact us. Um, so how do we get? How do we contact you guys? Well, you can email me at info at la hyphen bike dot org. Okay. Or you can contact me directly at orisha a u r i s h a at la hyphen bike dot org. Right. And um, we can get you and con- you know get you all the material that you need. Um, we're also looking for volunteers, obviously to. <laughs> To go in the area and to 
talk to the people, local businesses and talk to them about the issue and talk to them about the benefits of having a bike lane versus a peak hour lane there and um, get their support as well and, and get letters of support from the local businesses. So it's, this is something that if we mobilize quickly, we can see some positive um, moving forward and actually uh, you know, get this lane on the street as soon as, as soon as we can. So I want to ask a little bit about whether or not this is one small step for L.A. County, one giant leap for Northridge, or the other way around. Is, is this something that is going to translate into more bike lanes being implemented easier and faster throughout the, the Los Angeles County area, or is this going to be something that we're going to have to stay on top of every three-mile mm-hmm. problem? Well, that's a really good question, and that is our main concern as well. We don't want to be playing defensive all the time, and that's what it seems like is happening. Is DOT does these, you know, sort of these secretive plans, and then we find out about it and we we react, and hopefully we're there in time to to stop, um, you know, again another bike lane not not being implemented. Um, So what we're hoping is through our constant dialogue with the mayoral staff as well as with council members that we will be able to sort of, you know, impl- you know implement the idea that that the political leadership needs to start stepping up a little bit and needs to really um, use their leadership to to make sure that DOT doesn't continue to do this. Arisha, um, I've, yes. I've got a quick question for you here. Like the, the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, you, you guys are a private group. Uh, we spoke with Glenn Bailey, who is actually inside the Bicycle Advisory Committee, which is kind of a little more privy to some of the public documents that are uh, that are circulating right. inside the system. Right. And uh, what's what's been happening? It seems like is the private sector here, uh, the coalition, seems to catch things as they're as they are imminently uh, they're imminently dangerous. It, it's on the horizon that we're going to cut all of this bicycle funding we're going to on the horizon that we're going to cut this bicycle route it's on the horizon that we're going to lose the these department of transportation bikeways members so everything that that we've been seeing has been uh has been defensive there have been a lot of action items um what are, are we going to be taking an offensive how how are we going to be doing that well, um, how are we going to – well, that's the question. Well, hopefully with the bike master plan and hopefully with our with more support from leadership, as I was mentioning before, DOT is not going to be able to actually do this. And one thing that, I've, that, um, that is also important is that there's more transparency. Um, there's more transparency that comes from the Department of Transportation that, that we – that actually this information is disseminated more publicly as opposed to staying – Internal, because they are a public agency, and in a way, they they do have a responsibility to the citizens, and we feel that obviously that's not being respected. And so, hopefully, with more support from our elected officials, this transparency will become more apparent. So, and also, LA County Bicycle Coalition and other advocates, and the BEC. Now that we have a really strong um, chair, hopefully, we'll also be able to be privy sooner than, than we may be and pass on that information to us and to the, the people who, who can actually help make a difference. What kind of constituency, what kind of base does the the bicycle the county bicycle coalition represent? Well we represent um, you know cyclists of, of all types. 
you know, be it, you know, the, the roadies or the urban cyclists, commuters, uh, mountain bikers. Um, but, you know, there's also other advocacy groups out there that represent the same group of people, people who mean, you know, who ride on in different areas, et cetera. So we are an advocacy group. There are other advocacy groups as well that have been very, very uh, crucial to making some of these important changes also in L.A. So. Okay. Um, what your email blast, the action calls, the action items that you, that you send out, how many people does that reach? We have about 5,000 people on that email blast. So, That's and awesome. I know people are forwarding them along as well. So hopefully, you know, between five and six is the, right now. And, and the more people who become members, the more that will rise as well. And that's, that's something that's really important um, as well is that we are a member support organization. So right. that helps, that helps us stay alive so that we can continue to get information so that we can continue to make sure that, that things happen in LA. Where are you at? What? Where would you guys like to be at as far as membership goes, and where are you at currently? Currently, we're probably hovering around 900, which is um, which has been an increase in the past year, um, which is great. And we would like to break. You know, we'd like to get up to 1,400 by the end of the year. So. Okay. <laughs> so, if you're listening and you're not an LACBC member, you're not getting the email alerts, the action items. You don't know what is going on in the community. Uh, where where could where could I go? You could go to our website, which is www.la-bike.org, la-bike.org, and click on the uh, Become a Member button, and it'll take you about three minutes. Okay. That sounds great. It's only $35 a year, so it's a, it's a good investment in your future. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the other benefits that come with that, other than these email blasts, is there anything else that we get out of that? Well, you get advocacy. Yeah. You get a bike plan, uh, hopefully a bike plan. You get... Um, a bike map. Uh, you get these email blasts. We have a quarterly zine that comes out. Um, we have um, discounts to local bike shops. Um, you get so, so there's a there's a lot that I get for for that thirty five dollars. Well, exactly. I'll probably make it back. So, um, okay. Well, that's that sounds fantastic. Um, Arisha, I'd like to thank you. And is there anything coming up that you'd like to invite everybody to go to or? Well, I would just like everyone to check our website and to get involved in the latest campaigns, um, not only the Reseda bike lane, but we also have the 4th Street Bike Boulevard, which we'd like to see implemented within the next you know, year as well. So that's, that's another campaign that we'll work on. So get involved. You know, all it takes is sending a letter sometimes or making a phone call. That can make a huge difference. So visit us, become a member, and, and hopefully we'll see you out there riding. Okay, thank you. Uh, Arisha Smolarski, info at la-bike.org and la-bike.org for the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition. Thank you, Arisha, for all you guys' work and dealing with the bureaucracy that you get to deal with. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much for doing Bike Talk. It's a pleasure, always a pleasure to be on, on air with you guys. Sounds good. Have a good weekend, Arisha. Okay, you too. See ya. So that was Arisha Smolarski. I forgot to ask her about Telematique um, and what she had coming up with that. I, I'm sure she knows what it is. Uh, isn't she in it? <laughs> uh, yeah, she she does some amazing, I believe it's violin work with it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And singing in, yeah. in French. In French. In yep. French. So. But, but yeah, um, I, I think it's it's really good what they do, the advocacy and stuff. But it, on, a, on a personal level, you really have to get involved yourself. Yeah, and and 
it, whether it be having somebody advocate for you, you really have to know what they advocate for. Wait a second. Nick's going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say the uh, 4th Street Bicycle Boulevard is something that we've mentioned a few times, but um, I think we're going to try to get, uh, you know, Dorothy Lay's come on, and I think we're going to try to get that and the Cyclovia, you know, in, in one show. Right. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I mean, we've talked about the Bicycle Boulevard before. We've we've talked about advocacy before. Uh, other than the Reseda, the Reseda bike lane, I think all of this, is, all of these are points that we've made before. Like, uh, and it just, it just takes a little bit of reminding uh, every once in a while. It, it's hard. It can be hard to stay active in the political events uh, that are going on. There's so much happening all the time. Uh, I almost always see chicken leather there. He's had, he's had pretty much everything. Uh, but, uh, for the, I guess for the average person, um, it's, it's hard to juggle a full schedule and a political event that you find out 72 hours before it happens, you know? So it's, it's something that I'd, I'd like to challenge everyone to try and be a little better at or to at least make a couple attempts a year to show up to their council meetings and uh oh yeah i'm always pushing the parties so the parties are like bike stock it's a i think it's a great idea thank you very much chicken leather for the name i, I don't gonna, i i guess it's out there for for all of uh just the ether but we're gonna we're gonna see if we can't organize that either that or a beer summit so something on that on that note, we talked a little bit about the Bicycle Film Festival coming up on the the 26th through the 29th, or the 28th and the 29th are actually the the films. Uh, on the 30th, that Sunday, there is going to be a block party in support of the Bicycle Film Festival. Uh, I want to invite everybody to come out. I know it is not an official bike stock. There probably won't be uh, very much to do with council meetings or advocacy though I, I think we are trying to get Garcetti's office to send down some people yeah um, and uh, that's going to be the August 30th at heliotrope right at heliotrope in Melrose we'll be closing down the street we're gonna have we're gonna try and do some exhibition polo games have a couple of contests and uh, and see what happens have some have some folks out there with some tents. Yeah, and you guys can make fun of me. I'll I'll try to play polo. That's that's really seems like a hard game to do on a bicycle. Uh, it's it's great. So uh, we've got. It looks like Nick's got a, an NPR story pulled up here. I, once again, I want to mention the Bicycle Film Festival this year, just because yeah. of the fact that they they have changed theaters. The theater is going to be downtown, which which seems like a better theater for transit and a lot of other things. I know that late night we'd uh, wrap up and then we'd look for a place to eat because all of Hollywood would shut down and it would only be like we'd run over to Thai Town and hopefully find one place open. And it was just like the last time we showed up. This is for all you people out there that are looking at what to open up where are the taco trucks in hollywood after the bike film festival there was nothing yeah and we we had to go downtown and finally hit karaku or something so yeah in one sense great, i guess we're gonna be little noodle joint in little tokyo we're very gonna be close closer to, to the noodle yep. joints downtown after this thing but uh the uh independent just opened up i know that the uh echo park film center had their big uh graffiti uh extravaganza showing and uh art show down there so it is accessible we want to thank kelly who set it up and um yeah brett barber 
we're going to definitely be talking to him in the next week or two. And um, some other, uh, Shakira, who always does the uh, the advanced PR, we'll try and get him on the show. Right? Yeah, uh, definitely. And we, on that note, this coming Saturday uh, at Orange 20, we not are today. going. Not today. Not today. This today. next Saturday. We're going to be doing a party from 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. That is going to... Uh, be in support of the riders from 42 Below who have ridden across the country. It is going to be wow. open to the public. They're, 42 Below is a vodka company, so they are going to be catering it. Uh, there will be beverages for those over 21, and then there will be Gatorade for those under 21. So come on by. And, and bike responsibly, guys. I know that you guys <laughs> get all jacked up on the uh, Gatorade, and then, then you just feel like you can do the, you know, the tour Gatorade gives you wings. The tour, to, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, and then also one of the things that I wanted to mention about the Independent, where the Bicycle Film Festival is being shown this year, it is a much smaller theater yeah. than the than where it's been in the fe- in the past in Hollywood. So I would uh, I would definitely advanced recommend tickets. advanced tickets for this set of set of movies. And there are some great movies if you if you're a BMX rider. The uh, the story of FBM and how that came to be. If you are a fixed gear rider, the story of Gorilla Bikes and how they're made, and uh, like basically there are just some amazing movies this year. I, I think I think that might be all that we have for you today. To to quote Yogi Bear, not Yogi Berra. Yogi Bear, hey Ranger Bear, I want to get on my bike and have some uh, picnic baskets, right? Something like that. Yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Because, uh, as, as we know, healthcare begins with you. <laughs>